my god, we have a new camera! We have a new setup! It looks so amazing! I'm so excited! Hi guys, my name is Dina Marie Rodriguez. I'm your host of Women of Illustration, a brand new web series all about supporting and highlighting female talent from across the world to help you guys make money be heard from your art. Are you excited? Let's get into it. We are back with amazing comic book illustrator Tatiana Gill. She's based in Seattle, Washington with over 20 years of comic book money making experience. Tatiana has such a simple style. She typically only works in black and white with the occasional color and she loves to talk about things like body positivity and social justice and politics and just has the best personality and I'm so excited to help you learn everything that's in that amazing noggin of hers so you too can make money as a comic book illustrator. Today's episode, we're focusing on the money here, people. How to make money, honey, from your art as a comic book illustrator. Oh yeah! How do I get some of that cash flowing, a growing in my bank account? How do you get that first job offer? What kind of work is even out there for a comic book illustrator? And how do you find consistency in your workflow and in your client onboarding so that way you could, I don't know, make a full-time living as a comic book illustrator? <laughs> all right, I know, Dina, you can just like yap, 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 yap all day long. Let's get to the main event. It's time to fade to pee. <laughs> and then we're back with Tatiana Gill. We're gonna talk about money now, so you can give your bank account a thrill. <laughs> wow. Right? It was good. Yeah. I'm excited. Sometimes it works, sometimes it mostly doesn't, but that was a good one. Okay. So, in last week's episode, we were talking with Tatiana Gill, this uh, awesome lady boss over here, um, all about how to get started in comic book illustration, but how do we actually start to make money? Now, we went over a couple tricks and tips already, but I'm sure there's a lot more than things like Patreon out there where you guys can actually start to get some cash paper in your bank account. So, in your opinion, what do you think is the best way to make money as a comic book illustrator? For me, it's it's just clients, I guess. Like, uh, you know, small business or individual clients. Um, and so ultimately, I think my best way of making money is through networking, like through word of mouth and people finding out about me and wanting to work with me. Nice. So what are the kind of networking events that you typically go to or how, what's your favorite way to network, I guess is a better question. It's been really, I've had a fortuitous chain of events. Um, and I think it didn't come for me, it didn't come overnight. So I mentioned the last episode, you know, I've been at this like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I felt like for the first 10 or 15 years, it wasn't working out for me. Like I was making a lot of mistakes, um, but I was meeting people and it's like now suddenly all those connections I made back then are blowing up for me and snowballing into really great opportunities. So, um, so I like to go to uh, local comics events, local comics meetups, um, for right now in Seattle, there's a great female cartoonist scene. So that's pretty cool way to like, um, I'm trying to think of like if there's individual nights, but we have a couple of local businesses and sh shops and galleries that will have people there um, for networking or, or kind of like, you know, for an art opening or something like that, or a group show, doing group shows, getting involved in anthologies, comics anthologies. Um, 
Can I pause you there? I don't know what that means. What's a comic book anthology? Oh, it's a, it's like a comic book collection. So it's a comic book full of like 20 different artists, each telling a five page story. Oh, okay. Cool. And that's actually, I, I forgot to mention that in the previous episode, that that's a big way I got started too, was just getting published in anthologies until I had enough work to do my, do something all my own. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. When I was uh, teaching at PNCA, every single time they had the, the comic book course or the class that they had for character design, they'd always make an anthology. And I bought a few of them, but I didn't know that that's what it was called. It's such oh, a yeah. fancy name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really like it. It's really cool. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, you do anthologies until you're able to, I guess, be popular enough or build an audience around yourself where you can just make your own kind of pieces, typically? Yeah. Or for me, I think I didn't have, I mean, I had a body of work, but I didn't have, I didn't think of it at the time as publishable. Like, looking mm -hmm. back, I'm like, yeah, I probably just could have put that out. But I wanted stuff that was, like, professionally finished. And the stuff I'd been doing for myself wasn't. But the stuff I did for anthologies was until suddenly, you know, 10 anthologies down the line, I had 50 pages of finished professional comics. Nice. What do you think's like the easiest way to to get something like that going? Do you just do you just come up with a theme and create your own and then do like a artist roundup? Or is there like certain places or people you follow and that's how you found out about the opportunity to kind of do like a group collab like that? Like what's yeah. that process look like? I guess, yeah, it's following all my, um, you know, if you go to some cartoonist meetups or, um, you know, follow your local cartoonists on social media, you tend to find out about um, about calls for um, calls for submissions, basically for anthologies. And they tend to have, you know, because they like a wide variety of stuff. So I think they'll be more willing to... Um, <laughs> Doug's really excited about anthologies, so I think yes, everyone watching he's all in. should um, look into that. He's like, I agree. Just imagine every time he's barking, he's like, yes. Yes, my cheerleader. Yes. He does a yeah. little pom-pom tail. It's so. like, yes, I am your cheerleader. <laughs> yes, I am hungry. <laughs> yes. yes, I do want attention. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, you can um, look. For me, I look to in social media, calls for submissions will appear. And then I will write to the editor of that anthology and say, would you be interested in, you know, like sometimes I have a piece that fits the um, definition of, you know, cause they'll usually have a theme. So I recently did like a comics for choice where everyone did, you know, um, stories about abortion or bottoms up where everyone did a story of their rock bottom. Um, so that's so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm obsessed with dramas and and things that make me feel good about my life. So I feel like that would be the best. Oh yeah, series ever. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I could. I, things could be way worse. Yes, read that I know that's, I know that's like fucked up, but it's not at the same time. Whatever makes me <laughs> keep on keeping on. I yes. guess. So how does it? I'm like so totally infatuated with this concept. Um. Is that something it's like, oh, it's just for exposure? Do you get like a percentage of profits? Like, how does that work? Is it just like, oh, we're just going to practice doing publishing? Like, what are the benefits of doing that outside from the experience of making? Um, yeah, primarily exposure, I would say. Some of them do pay more of a stipend type situation. 
I think that there are some that might pay, um, you know, that might pay Patriot, especially there, I see a lot of them on Kickstarter mm -hmm. and that might be a good way to find out about other anthologies too. Um, but I think the ones that are getting kickstarted have a pay rate set aside for the artists. Um, but most of the ones that I'd mentioned are like uh, fundraisers for causes and things like that. So those really are more for exposure or, you know, like Comics for Choice was just something I was really passionate about. Like, yes, we have to get the word out there and, you know, raise some money for a nonprofit while we're at it. So yeah i i love nonprofit projects i always get a little bit too excited about not making money i don't know why <laughs> i'm just it's like certain freedom i guess totally yeah 100 <laughs> percent. you've already said that the key to doing comic books for you is networking if you had to choose like the top three ways outside of networking what would be like your two and three spot for making money at comics mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> somebody doesn't like me talking to someone that isn't him. I just like this. Like, my dogs don't even like Speedy Toys. So I'm like, like <laughs> <laughs> it's his way, his cry for help. Um, um, I, ha I have this written down. Let me just change it. <laughs> Okay. It's like the dog's throwing us off. Uh, yeah. It's like in between, in between your dog sounds and my like lawnmower sounds in my apartment complex. We're killing it as professionals, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> so um, I guess the the other ways is um, is pitches, like, you know, trying to get get yourself out there and I'm like, can you give me some examples? Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Like no, I love that. Um, sure. <laughs> it's actually really funny. When you ask someone a question, they typically blank, and but people work better in groups when they can feed off each other. It's really interesting. So, like, for me, it's all about, like, creating content, whether that's on Patreon or social media. Like, that's probably, like, my biggest way of getting client work. So I find it very interesting, because I'm, I'm all about, like, creating work that attracts the right clients. So that way they're more likely to be able to afford my rate versus the cold calling approach. But I can definitely see how like someone in this industry has to do that. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the number one way or, you know, up there, a really good way to get work is to make your own book, um, get it out there. And then it, for some reason, being in print even though these days you get way less exposure than online people are like oh it's official and i publish my own books so there's no bar for entry and i do print on demand so it doesn't you know with an investment of like 50 to 100 bucks suddenly i have you know 20 to 50 comics to sell and everyone's like oh wow you must be a really big deal and have a really fancy publishing house because i'm looking at a comic book and I'm like uh, sure like, <laughs> you know or you can just go online and upload a pdf and they'll mail you a, your comic so mm -hmm. um but I think it's just it did used to be that way like t 15 years ago I couldn't have self-published unless I had like two thousand dollars to invest in a print run mm -hmm. but now thanks to print on demand you can just knock some out yeah, and we're totally going to get super hardcore into publishing your own comic in the next episode. So I know you guys are like, oh, I want to print my own comic book. <laughs> um, you will. 
after next episode for sure we're gonna totally get into that um what about like doing shows like exhibits or um trade shows that kind of thing is that does that do you actually make money at that kind of thing it really depends on what you've got i think um I've, I noticed I did a few shows this year where I sold hardly any books, but I sold stickers like wildfire. And people have been telling me, oh, if you have enamel pins, those sell. Nobody's buying the books. <laughs> but there is like a local, you know, we have this, I'm, I'm in Seattle. We have this comic convention called Short Run that is for zines and, you know, self-published work. And so there I actually will sell some books. But I tried um, a couple bigger conventions this year that are more, um, more about fandom, really, you know, like Emerald City Comic Con. Mm. Um, I heard from people that they weren't selling a lot of books, but they were selling lots of pins and stickers and things like that because um, people kind of want a souvenir of the experience and they can buy a book online or at their local comic store. Um, Yeah. I always think, I mean, I I would assume because I've actually, I've only done one art show, but this was back when I was doing traditional art, not digital or anything having to do with my career now. So I feel like my advice is outdated, but what I would assume like doing a trade show is you want to be able to have, you know, cheap, affordable, expensive products. So you have like the cheap products, like stickers, anything that's under $10, I would say. Stickers, really basically designed enamel pins because enamel pins can usually get to the 12 to 15 range. So that way it's just kind of like the most affordable way for someone to have a piece of art to take home with them. Because it's usually like they just fall in love with it, but they don't have any fucking money. They're like, oh, this is only $5. Cool. And they're like really fucking psyched about it. Then you have like, I would say like the medium, which would be things like small prints, posters, uh, maybe like a really uh, couple page zine, something like that. And then it's like the official hardcover books. Uh, really just like when people are just like obsessed with you and they have you know money to burn in their pocket. I know when I go to those kinds of craft festivals, I have a budget. I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend $350. Whose art am I buying today? What are we doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I, I think, is a good structure for those kinds of events. And I think the same thing probably makes sense for, like, how you sell things online, too, right? Yeah. That yeah, you have something that can match everyone's budget and they don't feel like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even if they're a fan but don't have much money, they can still throw a little support your way. Yeah. So, um, and that's a great place to network too. Like that's where people find out about you and you meet people, um, you know, not always while the tables are up, but you know, there's after parties and things like that mm. at trade shows. What do you think is the better get, um, doing like client work and commercial work being a cartoonist or just fucking do- going out on your own and making your own products and content? What do you think is the better moneymaker in the long run? Oh, for me, absolutely clients and commercial work. Um, making my own content has been, uh, a nice small stream, but that's me personally. I mean, I'm selling pretty, my own work is on purpose. Like just my artistic expression. It's what I have to say. It's for a really small audience, basically. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing like really feminist stuff about, or like about my own work and recovery. And it's not super accessible to people that, um, don't have the same, thoughts and feelings I think like yeah I know I mean feminists are like it's super not trendy right <laughs> like why would anyone give a fuck about women I feel like so, I don't know like I think your work is sellable I personally love your personal work if it wasn't for your personal work you probably wouldn't have been able to get on the show um it's just it's 
it's cool and I want you to do it all the time, but oh, obvi- thank you. but obviously commercial work, client work, yes, that's the like the big money, the triple, the quadruple, <laughs> the five, yes. six number, you know, digit kind of fucking cool <laughs> projects, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think we have to again, like it's all about the revenue streams. So would you say the main way you get money is through commercial work doing cold calling mixed with networking and that's like the, the big get for you? Um, I would say for me, it's almost all networking. Like there's not a lot of cold calling with my commission work. It's, um, yeah, but you know, I've been at it a long time, but yeah, it's just like word of mouth feeding into word of mouth and it's been coming at a pretty good pace where I haven't had to turn a lot of people down, but, um, but yeah, it's just been kind of nice and steady for a while now. Nice. How, what do you think is like, I mean, I have no idea if you were, were you the kind of artist that when you were in college, like for the past 20 years, you were just like comics, 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 or did you like lose your way? Did you have different paths? What was that process like for you? Yes, I, um, yeah, I had a very tumultuous path and there was a long time when I wasn't creating at all. So when I, and I wasn't, uh, like, I guess I could say I didn't have my head in the game for most of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I had a day job, and then I was doing comics, and I was like, this is what I want to do. This is my passion, you know, after work and weekends. But I was a big party girl, and I was more focused on that mm-hmm. than, like, getting my work out there. And even when I went to cons and stuff, I would just get super drunk and offend a lot of people and um, not do anything for my career. Um, and so it wasn't until probably the past 10 years that I that I got serious and was like, okay, this is actually, you know, um, a really big deal to me. And it's something, you know, worth making myself vulnerable for and, um, and going out and asking for what I want, you know, and yeah. being willing to hear the hear no. And, um, yeah, it is, it's scary stuff, but, um, I forget the original question. No, you you answered (laughs) it perfectly. Um, and I, and I really love that you were this fucking perfect robot that just was like, I'm going to be a comic book artist and I shall be one starting now. And then you're just perfect. And then you're a baller. But the fact that like you lose your path and drinking's fun. Like I get it. There's a reason why it's a huge addiction in our, in in the world. Um, I totally get it. There's a lot of variety in how to get drunk now, different vibes. I get it. But now that I have weed, that helps me because that drinking makes you sick. Weed, there's no hangover. Very big fan of weed. Um, everyone's like, Oh, what Dina smokes weed? Portland. It's legal. Chill the fuck out. Okay. So (laughs) I find that very inspiring. The fact that you can lose your way and still find it eventually. Right. There's still, there's this thing called time and we hopefully have more of it than we think. And we always can just jump back on the horse and, and, and get working. So I'm going to say some stuff. You let me know if you think this is true in your industry as well. So I think, Okay, day one, I want to be an illustrator. Okay, I'm going to create consistent content. I'm going to use platforms like Dribbble and Behance and Instagram, maybe throw in a Twitter or if I'm old school Facebook and just really just make for myself practice, get good. I think it only takes about a year to start getting clients, to be honest, like once you've really perfected your craft. And after five years, you're what's called seasoned, which is really funny because like... (laughs) If you would have asked me that, if I would have, like, given you this answer, like, when I was in college, I would have been like, oh, no, you have to be, like, 20, 10. You need a couple decades. 
in order to be seasoned. But now I feel like I've only really been in the lettering industry for like five or six years and I feel seasoned. Maybe that's just me being cocky. I'm not sure. But like talking to other artists, that seems to be their perspective. Would you agree with that? Or do you think it takes oh, more that's or less time? Takes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I mean, I see 20 somethings out there killing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, that I'm just like, what the? I mean, it took me a really long time to get my act together. Um, but but that is not the case for a lot of people. I mean, I'm just constantly blown away when I see, um, you know, somebody's work and I'm like, oh, I love this. Da, da, da. Look them up on social media. I'm like, they're 22 years old. Like, how is that possible? But, you know, I just I think it depends on how many hours you put in. And um, and, it, you know, I think there's definitely some natural gifts in there. And, you know, some people live long, you know, some people have more life experience by um, by a young age than other people do. And I think that can all contribute to like, yeah, how fast, how fast you become an expert. Yeah. It's like that whole, I know, I know it's, I, I kind of think it's bullshit, but like the 10,000 hour rule, like, oh, once you've hit 10,000 hours, you're a professional. Um, I think it's actually way less than that be honest um and it's i think it like i'm gonna keep saying it like it's really just consistency and like yeah we can try and do all these things but i think you should only try all these different avenues if the thing that you're already doing isn't working so it's like hey i'm drawing for myself i'm getting better but i'm not getting any fans or clients are you posting it on social media or do you have a blog have you tried any of these things no i haven't that's why i'm like okay <laughs> i've been posting things consistently in social media for two years and i can't break 300 followers and it was just like, okay, well, maybe your content needs to be improved. Maybe you need to, you know, try different staging techniques for your illustrations. Maybe you need to give more context around your work. Maybe you need to get more personal. Are you being fake? Are you being true to yourself? Are you just copying what's trendy? Like, right? And so it's like every single thing you do, only do more of what's working. And then if there's something that you're spending time on, don't just keep doing it and expecting different results, that whole like claim of insanity. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that's, fucking so important as an artist because there's all these things we can do to promote ourselves we can have email marketing strategies we can go social media marketing um we can go ahead and do the whole vlogging web series or promote other people and create curated websites to hopefully raise our own stat um in you know the career but it's just we can't do all these things obviously at the same time yeah by yourself especially if you're just a, a <laughs> team of one like most of us are so i think it's just trying these avenues, seeing how it goes. If it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, try something else, right? Yeah. So let's get into the bad shit, right? There's all this good, fluffy, motivational shit. Let's get into the bad shit. So can you tell me like a story of just like a nightmare client gone wrong and what you learned from it? Um, I think, you know, I was, I was trying to think about um, if there was like one client in particular that just left out as like, and I think... Uh, there's no one that's just the worst, but there, but I've had a number of clients where, um, you know, and I, I used to do graphic design for a day job. So this happened there too, where we get in this sort of hole where they just weren't happy and I change it and they still weren't happy and I change it and they still weren't happy. And suddenly, you know, I'm a hundred hours into a project that I had originally charged for five hours of work. Mm. Um, and so, you know, what I learned from that now is laying out my terms right up front and saying, this much money will get you two rounds of changes. After that, each round of changes is extra this much money. Mm -hmm. um, so that way they can fuss all they want and I'll still be getting paid. <laughs> yes. 
I love the fussy clients. Like, fucking change your mind a thousand times. I really like money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it feels worth it, too, to, like, yeah, because I think that's the tough part for me is, you know, loving what I do. But then if it gets to a point with a client where I'm no longer getting getting paid what I'm comfortable making, then I start getting mad about the project. And, yeah. and it and hurts then, you. And like it hurts your soul and that leaves a mark for a little bit. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing to Yeah. And and it's funny because like I said, taking a while to get my act together. It's like I'm just learning this stuff. <laughs> I'm just now getting the nerve to like raise my prices up to a level where I'm making, you know, a certain amount per hour that includes the time to take to do my taxes and market and invoice and all this stuff. I wasn't doing that before um, because I just uh, you know, it's just like a low bar, I guess. It's just like, oh, yeah. no one, no one wants to pay that. It turns out they do. <laughs> okay, I wasn't planning on asking this, but I'm super fucking curious. I, from my perspective, and this is from coming from someone in the industry, I have the perception that for some reason, comics and cartoons aren't worth as much as other illustrations, like. As an artist, I disagree with that. But like the outside perception of a client, that's what I would think. What yeah. do you think about? Is that true? Like, do people expect you to do a comic strip, like a four panel comic strip for 20 bucks? Like, is that really like, do people think that? Or like, how do you deal with that too? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know where that perception comes from is that for a long time, comics were considered lowbrow. You know, mm -hmm. they were, they're just like, oh, a junkie, like a kid could do it. Like, it's not hard sort of thing, but really like once it comes to pricing a comic, you know, say you're drawing a four panel comic, that's like four illustrations, yeah. you know, in a row. And so it's important to charge more. And there are some clients I think that come to me and they say, Hey, how much is it? And then I tell them and I never hear from them again, mm -hmm. because I think they were thinking it was going to be 20 bucks. And it's like, no, it's actually more than that. And, um, and yeah, and, and I am happy to, you know, if someone, no one has questioned me about it, but if they were, I could give them the like value, you know, like right now for a, for a small private company, I'm doing these comics and they post those comics to Instagram to try to get um, clients, you know, it's sort of showing the value of their services, but via a comic, like mm. so many more people are going to read that. That's so much more engaging, I think, than, you know, than a lot of things it's certainly a text post or even maybe a post with photos you know it's having this sort of comic where you're for me i'll read them despite myself like oh, even okay. if i don't care about the subject i just want to read a comic so the, the second i see a comic pull up in my feed i have to read it like every <laughs> single time even if it's like they try to shove four panels in one image or they're doing this they're really using the slide feature which i think most people should if you're making a comic for instagram uh, i know it's a little bit harder to make a square ratio for a comic but I think you can do it. Um, so, I mean, I would say like for a couple of tips to make sure your perceived value is a little bit higher. Like most people, they go the fixed price way. Like, oh, I charge, I don't know, $50, $100 per panel. And that way they just know off the bat. Or I actually am not a huge fan of telling people pricing at all. Like I'll do something like my pricing starts at this you and like and usage rights are included if it includes copyrighted content just like that way it's like hey if it doesn't include copyright content there's an extra fee for that and like delivery you'll get it within two weeks and like basic stuff like that i think is important to give but when it comes to the money part i don't think we should talk about money at all there should be a barrier to entry for clients whether it's to fill out a questionnaire you do like a one-on-one -on -one meet 
or it's like a phone interview or whatever you want to do, because that tells me that you're expensive. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any company you see that makes you fill out the form, that tells you this is going to cost more than $100, right? Right oh, off the bat. Yeah. And also, you don't waste your time with assholes that are just like sending you emails like, I like your work. How much do you charge? Yeah. What the? F what? What do you want? I just, I need to know what you want me to make you. Like, I don't have <laughs> answers. Like, a million dollars. I don't know what you want, man. Um, I think that's so frustrating because they know the obvious question is like, well, what do you want? And they're like, oh, it depends on your price. It's like, I don't know what this, that conversation is never going to go anywhere. So just don't even <laughs> answer those kinds of emails. But so I think having a question, a questionnaire, really trying to think of like, what are the common questions that I ask my clients? So that way I can save my time not doing these consultations, not doing the, the countless emails back and forth. And they just give it to me in one beautiful spreadsheet. Another thing I think is really important is showing the process. <sighs> I really want to combat this <laughs> visual that illustrators are printers. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, it take, I, I do crazy amounts of concepting. I have to refine it over and over again to get just right. It's very rare that the first thing I draw is perfect. And I think people out there who are doing like calligraphy videos or people <laughs> that, you know, that do like real life video and they do something really quickly in a short amount of time. It's like, no, no, no. Either A, they've been doing this for fucking decades. And they really got their shit down and they, <laughs> and even though they only did it in five seconds, doesn't mean the value of that person goes down, actually goes up. And on the other hand, <laughs> um, it's just, I don't want people to think that I have less value because I'm good at my job. That yeah. Make any fucking sense. So I think showing things like, okay, case studies in your portfolio, like I want to see the, the shitty thumbnails you made, all of them. I'm going to see the crumpled Ooh. paper all over the floors. Uh, eraser marks. I want the I want the nitty gritty. I want the concepts that got rejected during that client onboarding process. I want to see the sketches and then the ink and then the details. And then I want to see mock-ups, even if it's not even mocked up in a newspaper or online for an editorial piece. I still want to see it like it's real because that tells clients, okay, this is what I'm going to get. This obviously, this huge fucking paper long, like college paper worth of portfolio is not, okay, this is going to be more than $500. So it's like, these are the stepping stones that I think can really help you just look like you are a professional too. And then you're going to attract higher paying clients because all the Craigslist people, which is just what I call them, like the basic bitch clients <laughs> are going to be like, okay, I'm just going to stick to Craigslist. I tried out your platform, not works for me. And then you just wasted a hell of a lot. You just like, you don't have to waste so much time with those people too. Yeah. So, that's an awesome idea. It's, right. Uh... I'm all about the case studies. Case study. And actually having content on your website, because not a lot of people do, it's just like a gallery of images, which is beautiful. I want to be able to look at your work in a blink of an eye, get it. But when I click on those images, that's where I should be taken to the case studies. That's where I should learn more about your process. And it's actually really common for people just to have a landing page that says process and shows them the example of what they do. Since you do comics, like, and you're not doing a ton of different kinds of work within that field, it makes sense like hey this is what it like take whatever the biggest coolest project you've done especially if it's something you've done yourself like being self-published show that to me because not only is that going to interest other clients but it's going to put you as an authority in your own industry because you're showing other people how you do what you do which makes you special and it's really yeah. cool yeah oh that is awesome yeah <laughs> what do you think was the biggest mistake of your career um i think the biggest mistake in my career was letting 
the uh, unenthused or negative feedback that I got define my sense of worth. Like, so when I was first starting out, or, you know, in the, in episode one, we talked about my college days. And so after that, I got kind of jazzed and, you know, I sent my work around to some alternate weeklies. This was pre, you know, we had the internet, but there weren't many images on it yet. So that wasn't really a viable thing, but, um, you know, I, I got really excited. I talked to some pro cartoonists and did what they did and then got no bites and just like got rejection and stuff. And, you know, at the time, like people I was hanging, uh, other cartoonists that I knew, showing them my work and stuff and hearing like, ah, oh, you could use some work, try it this way. I just sort of took everything really to heart. Um, I changed my style. I changed the tools I was using. Um, and I stopped submitting stuff places because I was like, oh, nobody likes it and that's not any good. And I have to change to be this way if I ever want to get work. And I don't, you know, I think that the, none of that in itself is like the worst mistake in the world. Like it's good to like try to change things up if you're not getting bites, like what you were saying, but mm -hmm. I took it too far and I took it so seriously that I kind of hated drawing. And I think that's where I sort of petered out for a while and stopped producing very much because it was no longer any fun. I was just um, thinking of it as like, I'm no good at this and I need to, um, you know, and I just kind of selling myself short. So I think it's really important to be your own fan, basically, you know, because people, thanks to the internet, we get like a lot more likes and stuff like that, but it's, it's not guaranteed. You know, sometimes I do something I'm really proud of, post to the internet, nobody cares. And then I'm sort of like, oh, well then it must suck. And it's like, I don't think that's true. I think it's just, you know, sometimes it's just what way the wind is blowing right then. Um, and in the industry, in like, you know, 2000, I think it was so much, there was a lot of sexism. And I let that, I was just like, you know what? I don't want any part of that industry. If they're going to, you know, if the guys are going to talk that way about me, then forget it. I'm not doing comics anymore. And it's like, mm. I wish I hadn't let that deter me, you know, because if I just stuck with it and done my own thing and, you know, maybe stayed more in my corner. There are tons of women out there that wanted, you know, that want those comics and stuff. And, and they were there and they were paying attention. I just, I just wasn't hearing it, you know, because, yeah. um, because I was looking to like the industry basically when there was plenty of love to be had just from individuals. Yeah. So I, I guess, think, yeah, yeah, just staying true to yourself and, uh, sure. you know, not taking no as like, uh, you know, and not taking rejection as like a reason to give up. Yeah. Like, it's if, if you love it, just, just, um, yeah stick with what you love and even if you're not making money at it today you might be you know the winds will change and you might be later yeah i love that i think that's so important i mean obviously sexism still very much uh in our industry it's a it's a, there's a lot of micro sexism now because uh we're gonna call you out for the big stuff and you'll probably get put into jail if you try to rape us just saying please don't touch me without permission not a fan um so that's good uh but people can say some pretty harsh shit to you regardless freedom of speech people can be just as nice just as much as they can be an asshole but luckily i feel like th there's a turn in the tides happening um where <laughs> we're starting to use this word troll a little bit more and i feel like that takes their power away because most people yeah. are doing it either as a power play of uh, being like oh you think you're good fuck you i'll bring you down a peg bitch like that mm -hmm. kind of thing 
or people that are just looking to get a rise out of you. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Which is really frustrating. And I think it's, it, for, at least for me, I finally had the switch go off where it's pretty normal where the negativity is what you remember. All the bad shit in your past, that's the most vivid memories for you. But all that good stuff, the compliments, the, the positive feedback, the fandom is something that easily gets kind of tucked behind the bad stuff where the bad stuff has more of the power in your head. But for me, I've switched it. And because I have, it's like out of the 500 to 1,000 people that I made their day, maybe one or two of them were trolls. So it's like, and I like this one thing that another guest said was having trolls just means that you're relevant. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, yes, that's totally true. It means that you're popular enough to have trolls. Congratulations, you've made it. <laughs> I still get a really steady stream of people coming to my website because somebody wrote an article about how awful my work is, you know, because I'll draw like, uh, you know, fat women, plus size women and stuff like that. Uh, they just wrote a long point by point article about how terrible that is. But it's actually been good publicity for me, you know, and, and it was just, it's such a bizarre article that it didn't hurt my feelings either. I was just like, I sure, like, it just made me laugh. And then, and now I get free publicity. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, wow. So you piss someone off so much that they wrote an article about how much they hate you. That's great. Yes. That is such a huge compliment. I feel like I've never gotten a hate article before. I'm a little jealous. Well, and they like put up really high res images where I almost felt like it was a fan trying to use reverse psychology to get more people to look at my work or That's something. Amazing. Like I'll never understand it because it was actually sort of a, yeah. Thanks, trolls. Well, yeah. Actually, it, to, as like a short story, um, being someone who actually combats the trolls, like when someone leaves a negative message, I stop just like hitting ignore or block and actually start to follow up. And by doing that, mostly because, you know, around like sexism or just someone trying to be just an asshole, I've actually gotten a lot more contacts. I've gotten a lot more opportunities, especially speaking events coming up in the next year, just off of people seeing how I'm dealing with trolls. Because... I think oh, a lot of people, the reaction is like, oh, fuck you. Like, stop masturbating in your grandma's basement, perv, or like something like that. Right, yeah. Or block and ignore. Which, yeah. No. And I it's think, understandable, but. Yeah, but when you kill them with kindness and you actually like, oh, well, that's, you know, I, I'm so glad that you reached out. Uh, let's start a conversation. Let's get, and then they, they feel bad for being a dick. And then you can actually change their perception a little bit because everyone's got opinions, right? And I just want to believe that we live in a society that we can talk about those opinions and no one's hated because of them. Uh, no, you know, you're not going to be judged, but we just have a better understanding, uh, understanding of why other people think that even if it's the worst shit you've ever heard. I think like people think these things for a reason and I want to understand the psychology behind it because I can't improve it until I know where it came from. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's very impressive though. It, it took me a long time. I'm still working on being graceful about accepting criticism. Oh, I mean, sometimes you just gotta be like, fuck you. And then it feels, it feels good, but does it actually help? Like, like, especially as someone who runs like a you know, pretty feminist web series, I have to have a crazy amount of patience <laughs> that I did not have that I'm trying to develop, especially doing, I'm doing a lot of talking events this week for design week that are about women in design. And we've gotten oh, cool. a couple of uh, hecklers. Oh, yeah. And it's, it just makes me fun. And they're like, you're fat. I'm like, 
still make more money than you. <laughs> you know, first, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then you just kind of come at them. But that, that's another story. All right. So we talked about a lot of good stuff in this episode. I'm really fucking excited about it. Um, right? So what would, as like kind of like a last little tidbit, what would you think is like the last bit of advice you would give someone who wants to get into the whole cartoonist venture for them to try to make money at what they love doing the most? Um, yeah, I guess just stay professional, which doesn't mean like suit and tie professional, but just like remember that everyone's a potential client slash contact slash um, whatever. That was, that was something that I did in the past where I just was more of like a, you know, like I mentioned a party girl, but also like a bro, you know, all the time. And just, I was more interested in being cool than I was in being professional. And I think it's important to just stay professional with, um, you know, with people that you work with. Um, or and people that you might one day work with, you know, just people in your industry and in your scene and your um, your artistic community. Um, and I don't know, it's I I need to follow my own advice in this sense, but you know, to not hang too much on external validation, because um, because sometimes if you you know you can do something that's popular that everyone else is doing and that's really cool, but then if you like strike out on your own thing, sometimes people may not know what to do with it for a while but then it can wind up being really cool and groundbreaking and totally so i love you so much oh <laughs> i love oh, all the words too. that you say <laughs> they're so nice i want to absorb your wisdom like hocus pocus style just like <laughs> <laughs> um oh thank you so much i'm so excited all right yeah. guys when we come back Next week, we're going to be talking about how to publish your own fucking motherfucking comic books. Like, this bitch right here is going to be so good. Because that shit is a little complicated. And even though there's, like, articles and all the stuff out there, it's better to hear from the lessons learned and the failures. And I've also published my own content, and I've wasted time and, more importantly, money doing just stupid shit <laughs> that wasn't even important. So we'll get into that <laughs> next episode. Guys, thanks so much for watching. You're amazing. See you next week. <laughs> yes, amazing episode, Tatiana. I just want to like spoon feed your brain <laughs> into my brain so I can absorb all of the amazing knowledge. That was such an amazing episode. I loved it so much, guys. If you're digging this content, put a like, smash that like button, hit the little bell dude guy thing down down there so that way you get a notification of every single time we post a new video. And of course, subscribe, please. Now we do also have an amazing female community at patreon.com slash women of illustration that you can be a part of for just $1 a month. Your money goes a long way in helping support me so I can keep making these amazing videos and introduce you to amazing female talent. Also, don't worry, you get something in exchange for your dollar. You get early access to every single video and you are the only person who gets access to live streams. You can do Q and A's with the artists. <gasps> if these bi-weekly videos just aren't enough for you, definitely give us a follow at instagram.com slash women of illustration, where I am curating and posting new badass female art all over the place once to two times a day where you guys can get inspired and find just really cool females that are around the globe 
that'll make cool art like you guys. And if you would like to get featured on that grid, all you gotta do is use the hashtag Women of Illustration. In next week's episode, we're gonna be getting into how do you self-publish your own comic book? This is something I highly recommend for anyone who's in the comic book world. A lot goes into making, building, printing, manufacturing, shipping your own <laughs> zine or comic book. And Tatiana has a butt ton of books that she's made over the last 20 years. So she's got a ton of experience, tidbits, failures, lessons learned to share in the next video. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, did I tell you to subscribe yet? Fucking subscribe, please! Seriously, guys, thank you so much for watching my content. Whether or not you're just a fan of me, or you just really love these interviews, or it's a mixture of everything, it's all the things coming together in a beautiful Frankenstein sandwich for your viewing pleasure. Um, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Bye, guys!